0: Hi, I'm Betty Collins with Inspiring Women, and we have just a wonderful, wonderful event that I would love for you to be part of. Coming up July 30th, 2021, it is the seventh annual Brady Wears Women's Leaders Conference, and each year, 100% of our gross proceeds go to support women initiatives, like through nonprofits within Ohio, and this year, The conference is supporting the Better Business Bureau and the Women's Small Business Accelerator, two amazing organizations. Unfortunately, in 2020, we did cancel because of the pandemic. We didn't feel that it was the time. Many months ago, you know, we began planning for the conference, and we felt it was best to err on the side of safety. And so we didn't want to cancel this year, but we wanted to be safe. So this year's conference will be virtual. And why this is not the most ideal, especially for Betty Collins, who likes to be out with people. It does allow us, though, to offer participant speakers that are nationally recognized, as well as local uh, women leaders. So regardless, we have an amazing lineup of speakers and a fun day on July 30th. We're going to have Peggy Kloss. She's our keynote at the noon hour, and she is the author of "Brag: How to Toot Your Own Horn Without Blowing It. And then we're going to have breakout speaker, Michelle Letterman, the author of The Connector's Advantage. It's an amazing book. And if you want to hear Michelle, she is on one of my past uh, podcasts. You'll love her. We'll start the morning with a lot of lively discussions, panel of business owners and leaders within our uh, Columbus, Ohio area. And then to add through to the excitement of all the day, you'll be able to network, visit, exhibit tables. Uh, you get to win wonderful prizes. We have some gamification going on, so it's going to be a lot of fun. But I would like to personally invite you to be there at the Brady Wears Women's Leadership Conference. I'm passionate about this conference. I started it. I was the founder. It was an idea that I kind of shoot from the hip from, and it's just turned into something awesome. Again, it's on July 30th, and it's our seventh year. Please take advantage of our early bird registration because it ends June 15th. So I want to encourage you to sign up now. It's very simple to do. You just go to columbuswomensleadership.com and complete a single form, and we'll do the rest for you. So don't miss this opportunity to expand your knowledge. Register now at columbuswomensleadership.com. Hope to see you there. I am Betty Collins, and this is Inspiring Women, a podcast presented by my company, Bradyware. This is the podcast that advances women toward economic and social and political achievement. And I, Betty Collins, am here to inspire you today on your journey in life, which includes so many things. This is all about you. I am thankful that you're listening, but more importantly, that you're investing time in yourself. You can find more about inspiring women in this episode on the resources tab at BradyWear.com. So today we're going to talk about how to lead in uncertain times. Um, If anybody believes that today, 2020, and 21 are uncertain times, uh, then you're just, you're totally not in, in the, you know, living in the surroundings or getting, seeing how things are going, that's for sure. And so, but, but even before 2020 and even after 2021, We need people to be able to lead, whether it's in our communities, um, in our country, in our companies, in our homes. And the good times are just as important as the uncertain times. So the guest today is going to talk with us. She just has um, such insight on this because she's lived it. So... Um, But leadership today has a huge vacuum, and and it's really lacking, certainly in our country, businesses, corporate America, uh, communities and homes. And whether, again, you're in good or easy times or hard or tough, it's just not optional. Um, In fact, I'm a believer that in the good times is when we, we don't lead well enough because we just don't, you know, we're not on our game maybe as much. Because it is good times. So you don't have to worry. This is not going to be a podcast on on COVID or politics or negative. Um, The good news is, you know, that we're going to talk about how to just navigate through it and and what are some things that can help us. So uh, we're going to have a discussion and dialogue with someone who who knows and led and has been through different things, whether it's been corporate America or, or in her communities. So today we're going to hear from a gracious leader, Janet Meeks. And you will leave inspired with insight on how to lead for sure. I was really fortunate to meet this amazing woman um, with when she um, had her book come out a few years ago. Um, and she's been on my podcast um, uh, as well in the past because I, her book was so good. I thought it was great for people to hear. And, of course, I've read it. My company, the women in my company have read it. Um, I would encourage you. You can listen to it as well as read it. Um, And go back to that podcast. It was a really good one. But it's gracious leadership, lead like you've never led before. Um, And you can find her resume and bio attached to this website. I don't want to take the time to read a lot because it's huge because she just has a really, really – has had an amazing journey um, for certain. Um, And her credentials and experience, they're just the real deal. So welcome, Janet, um, to my podcast. My audience is really fortunate to have you today. And uh, so let's just get started. So welcome. And, you know, why don't you just tell the audience a little bit who you are, you know, get that quick er- overview of your career. Um, nothing's quick, but I think it's important for my listeners, you know, just to get a feel for who you are.
1: Well, thank you so much, Betty. It is such a joy to be with you today, and I appreciate the opportunity to share with you and with those who listen to your podcast. Um, Let me think about my career for a second, and I guess I would have to take you back to the 1960s and early 70s. I grew up in a town of 3,000 people, and I played basketball. And in these small communities, basketball was certainly a focal point for everything we did and little did I know at the time that I was learning so much about leadership from playing that sport. As a matter of fact, I wanted to be a coach. And my father, in his infinite wisdom, encouraged me instead of becoming a coach, that I should pursue a degree in finance. And if my father told me to jump off the bridge, believe you me, I would have said, Which <laughs> side shall I go? There you go. And so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I got a BBA and an MBA in finance, and I started out in the banking industry and was there for about five years and absolutely loved banking. But it was a life-changing event that uh, caused me to take a detour in my career progression. Um, I won't go into the details of it. I think we probably talked about that in the earlier podcast when I was your guest. But I had a baby, and that baby was Uh, born and died on the same day. And it was just the most um, uh, unnerving, distressing uh, crisis moment, the deepest valley of my life. And when I was in the hospital following the death of the baby, uh, recovering from the delivery, uh, the employees there who did not know me from the next patient really surrounded me with love and care and concern and something about that experience led me to believe that I needed to depart banking and to enter the field of health care and only four months after the death of my baby I was offered an opportunity to join the senior leadership team of the largest medical center in the nation outside a metropolitan area and to report directly to the CEO and I was only 27 years old that's fantastic So over the course, it was amazing, and I think if I realized how daunting a task that was at the time, it probably would have scared me to death, but uh, my naivety helped me in that case, and I just (laughs) dove right in. So um, I have had the pleasure of working for four major healthcare systems over about 40 years and traditionally was responsible for marketing, strategy, planning, business development, and so forth, and loved leading those disciplines. But I've also been told along the way that I should strive to lead a hospital, uh, primarily because I have always enjoyed working with doctors, and also because I've always had a keen sense of appreciation for the value brought forth by every employee, regardless of their role. So in 2004, I was recruited to Columbus, Ohio, to join the Mount Carmel Health System and to be their Senior VP of Corporate Development. And I, at the time, decided to take a risk. I told the CEO that if I accepted the opportunity as Senior VP of Corporate Development, I would do my best to help to refine and build upon that division. But I also wanted him to promise me that one of these days, as opportunities might present, that I could actually lead one of the Mount Carmel hospitals. And he said yes. Mm -hmm. And so about 18 months after I arrived in Columbus, I was given the opportunity to lead St. Anne's, and that was 2006. Um, So there were 700 doctors, about 2,000 employees, and 300 volunteers. And the irony is that there were 3,000 people on my campus that I was responsible for leading. There were 3,000 people who had lived in my hometown. And at the end of the day, what I actually got to do as the leader of that hospital was to be a coach. Uh, to ha- make sure we had a solid game plan uh, to ensure that the discipline was practiced, so that we could execute our game plan and and um, have happy patients, happy employees, and engaged physicians. Um, it was my responsibility to be the cheerleader for the team and to offer praise for great performances, but also to give that constructive feedback when the performance could be better. Mm-hmm. So that's a quick overview of my career um, from banking to healthcare. But at the end of the day, uh, I believe. A lot of what we do as leaders is to coach, right?
0: Right. Well, you're definitely respected. Everyone that that um, knows you or you know talks about you talks well, and and you're definitely have have walked your talk when it comes to leadership and the principles that you believe. Thank you. So when I met you, you you had authored a book, Gracious Leadership. Lead like you've never led before. Just a great book. You know, why did you write the book? And and then kind of give me an update on how it's gone.
1: Well, thank you so much. You know, it seems like yesterday I was sitting at the island in my kitchen um, writing the transcript for that book. um, But three years have passed by pretty quickly. Yeah, Um, Betty, I announced in January of 2015 that I was going to be retiring later that summer. And that was a big decision for me. And um, and so I found myself over the course of the, the months between the announcement and the actual retirement, truly becoming contemplative about different lessons of leadership I had learned along the way. And so I would jot down my thoughts on a piece of paper and put those notes into a file. And they just stayed there in my um, in my desk. And then in early 2016, I was approached by two different leadership institutes, and both of them asked me if I would make a presentation on a leadership topic of my choice. And so the first thing I did was pull out that file with those notes within it just to review my thoughts on leadership. And when I laid out those notes across my desk, and I looked at and contemplated, pondered those values, Um, really the words that rose to the top of my mind were gracious leadership. Mm -hmm. And so I made those two presentations, and uh, totally independent one of the other, the feedback I was given was, Janet, when are you going to write the book? Mm. And so I started thinking about it, and lo and behold, in 2016, uh, in the, uh, late in that year. And then in 2017, it was almost like Pandora's box just burst wide open mm-hmm. with this proliferation of examples of toxic leadership. And I'm talking about leaders in, in the political scene. I'm talking about leaders and organizations of all types. This is when the Me Too movement really started, uh, building some steam and we started learning about, um, workplace hostility. And and bullying in the workplace. And what I saw every day, everywhere I turned, was that we were given so many examples of bad leaders that I thought, well, wait, where are the examples of the good leaders? Right. And so I decided that I had to own responsibility to produce some playbook, if you will. So that aspiring leaders could know in in very easy to implement, simple steps, some actions that they could take in order to lead in a better way, in a respectful way, and that's why I wrote the book. Yeah. And so, um, it, you're right; it was released in um, early eighteen, and I'm so humbled and and also excited to tell you that gracious leadership has now made it into all. 50 states in nice. Canada. Nice. And uh, it's been so gratifying for me to meet people all over our country and beyond who are just starving yes. to learn more about how to be a respectful leader. And, and so I've been, Spending pre COVID, I spent a good bit of time uh, making keynote presentations about gracious leadership to senior leadership teams and middle managers at healthcare systems and other organizations throughout the country, even as far away as Alaska. Um, And the book, even in the COVID era, continues to. penetrate um, the the leadership circles. I know that in uh, Nashville, as an example, the American College of Healthcare Executives have actually used the book as part of its curriculum for its physician leadership academy. Um, Other organizations are incorporating it into their mentorship training. And so um, the book in its own way just continues to plant seeds and I can't wait to see how those seeds will blossom and the beautiful flowers of respectful leadership that hopefully will last for many decades to come.
0: Oh, that's a great way. That's a great update. And um, that's just so encouraging. I know I had the women in Bradyware read this book or, or bought it for them if they chose to read it, especially our managers and senior managers. And I had a woman come to me and said, this has totally changed the way I think. She just really it got, it it was simple. She said it was really simple, but it was eye opening. So she it, it definitely has been impactful.
1: Well, I'm so glad to hear that, Betty. Um, I think simple things are easier to implement, and also um, it's easier to sustain them if it's not difficult or complex. Yes.
0: Yes. Well, that was a great just kind of dose of who you are, your career, um, the book that you've written. So I want to really get into some of the details of that. You know, gracious is a gentle word, right? Leadership, it's, it's just gentle. And so it sounds peaceful and easy. I want you to expand on why you chose gracious and, and, and what it means, because I think that's, that's what sets this book apart when you read the title.
1: Thank you for that question, Betty. That uh, is certainly um, one that has been posed to me on multiple occasions uh, to the point that there is a chapter in the book entitled, Gracious Leadership Is It Soft Stuff? And of course, the answer is no. Um, If you look at the definition of gracious, uh, one of the definitions is that it means you're kind. But I want to tell you that we we should be challenged to use the words gracious and leadership as one thought. Leadership to me is about getting the right results achieved and gracious is how we achieve those results. So gracious leadership is about um, being both kind and tough. A leader is truly kind if they're tough enough to have a conversation in a soulful manner with an employee to say, hey, you're not meeting the mark, and here are the opportunities for you to improve. A gracious leader uh, is kind when he or she is crystal clear about accountabilities, about what goals are to be achieved, what are the expectations. And uh, that same leader is tough enough to help the employee understand that they get off course, but again, kind enough to give positive feedback and affirmation when the employee achieves the right results. So I think that gracious leadership is not at all about um, necessarily being gentle. It's about being kind, compassionate, and tough so that we as leaders are ensuring that the right results are generated.
0: Right, I mean, I think that's what stood out to me a lot in this book and in your stories of when you had that toughness combined with kindness because that was the right thing to do, you know, and lead either the team or the person to where you needed them to be, Um, and that that just stayed with me. But you know, today, Janet, it's such a tough environment. Um, It just seems to be everywhere. You know, it's overwhelming. So what I want you to share with the audience, especially as, you know, we all kind of lead something somewhere. I, we're not all followers. We're more leaders than we all followers. But I would love for you to share a tough time that seemed hopeless to you um, pertaining to leadership. And how did you navigate through it?
1: Well, that's a great question. And, and uh, uh, how many times have I lost sleep over this particular situation I will describe Um, I mentioned earlier that I always had the dream of wanting to lead a hospital, and I was given the opportunity in 2006 to go to St. Anne's and to be the leader of that campus. Um, I did not know everything I would be inheriting as the new leader of that organization, Um, I'm an eternal optimist. I believe that um, we can always do better and we can achieve more um, together as a team than we can alone. But when I arrived at St. Anne's, here's what I found. The hospital had the worst patient satisfaction in all of central Ohio. In fact, that was plastered as a headline in the Columbus Dispatch quality was so inconsistent that I was almost afraid to get my mail every day because it was full of letters from angry patients and family members. Mm. The financial performance was not good at all. And because my predecessor had uh, been released from the organization, and oh, by the way, he was beloved. So I inherited um, employees many of whom were brokenhearted and even angry because they wanted their old leader, not a new leader. And many of the doctors were disenchanted. The the culture uh, was deemed by uh, many of the employees to be healthy, but it was not. Mm. And it's like, Oh my goodness, where do you start? There's so many problems to solve. So, You know, as leaders, especially as type A leaders, we have this inclination to want to just dive right in and start changing things. And that would have been the wrong thing to do. Uh, One of the lessons I have learned throughout my career is that sometimes you have to slow down first before you can speed up. So um, I had to learn that the most important thing I could do as the new leader of that campus was to slow down and build relationships of trust with doctors, with employees, not only at the leadership and management level, but even with the the janitors um, and uh, the dietary employees. I made it part of my leadership mantra to start listening to them and to ask them questions and to get their feedback. In my book, I talk about the importance of three powerful questions. Number one, what one thing can we do to make your work life better? Number two, what one thing can we do to make the customer experience better? And number three, it's open-ended. What in the world do you want to talk about? What would you like to share? And Betty, I found that over the course of time that when employees realized that I was sincere in wanting to understand their opinions and I valued their feedback, um, it was magical. I then found that we had an opportunity to create an exciting vision for the growth and development of St. Anne's. It had traditionally been known as a wonderful place to have a baby, but this hospital had the potential to grow into a regional medical center. And so creating um, an exciting vision that employees could get excited about, buy into, and most importantly, to understand how they could help to realize that vision, was also a a key um, aspect of of getting out of that hopeless situation. I'll also tell you, Betty, that it was important to get the right people on the bus. Had to Mm -hmm. make sure that we had leaders and employees who were excited about where we were going and that if there were people there who were like, no, we don't want to change. We don't want to go with a new vision. What we had 20 years ago was just fine. Well, we had to liberate some of those employees and and encourage them to go be happy somewhere else, (laughs) as opposed to being unhappy and slowing down our bus. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely said. (laughs) And, And so, you know, then from there, it just went into putting disciplines into place, um, That didn't sound like discipline. It was being clear about goals, Uh, teaching our managers to apologize if we disappointed a patient or a family member, Uh, teaching our employees the importance of systematic, sincere praise. And so that's really the scenario. It was a struggling community hospital that just had so many problems. And we were able to affect a cultural turnaround, a financial turnaround, and an operational turnaround. And I always have given the credit to that team of loyal employees at St. Anne's who believed in the art of possibility and that we could become a place where physicians wanted to practice, patients wanted to come for care, and employees wanted to work.
0: I mean, you really kind of answered my next question, so I'm, I'm going to move on to the next one, because you talk really about where does a leader start? And you gave so many good ideas of where do you start to navigate that team so I want to spend my my uh, last two questions because I think this is important. You know what? What should we expect from leadership in our lives? You know, sometimes, and and I say this, I I became the leader I didn't have. Mm-hmm. You know, and le- that's called leading without a tile. It can be very dangerous. <laughs> it can be very heartbreaking, and it's a lot harder, by the way. But sometimes you become that. You know, so. What should we expect from the leadership? I, I, and I'm not talking about just the president of the United States or, our, you know, what, what should we expect?
1: Oh, Betty, uh, without exception, and this applies to any leader in any role, whether they have a formal title or not, they should be 100 percent uncompromisingly honest mm-hmm. and truthful. Um, and I'll just continue to um, go along the line of, of what I'm thinking. Leaders must show respect. I've been in organizations where respect was only shown to other people who had big titles, and that is just not okay. Every person who is a member of the team, regardless of their title, has value to bring forth and should be fully respected for what they do, and for who they are. Um, I also believe that leaders need to be secure enough to understand they don't have all the answers and that leaders who try to hoard getting the results accomplished are really holding back the organization. They need to trust their employees who are subject matter experts and, and free them let them fly and soar, if you will, and be all they were created to be so they can play at the top of their game. And then that leaves time and room for the, the person with the, the big title to be able to take on those difficult tasks that perhaps someone in other levels of the organization cannot. Mm-hmm. And then I just think that, that lastly, um, for this question, leaders have got to be humble. To understand and to admit that we're all going to make mistakes, leaders make mistakes too. It's just that as a leader, we need to know and to communicate to our staff and to live the reality that if we make a mistake, what did we learn from it? And how can we improve from that um, from that situation?
0: Thank you very much. I mean, those were great. You know, we just need to have some expectations that are different, you know, instead of just accepting sometimes. And, and I love that. I'm really.
1: Well, happy. you know, it's a sad commentary, Betty, that we have to say that leaders should be uncompromisingly honest. Correct. Uh, but you have said earlier, and we see in, in leadership in organizations of all types that that's not the case today. Uh, but it, we've got to get there. Right.
0: We have to, we have to. So let me ask you this is last thing to get there, right? We want to get there. Give us a simple takeaway that we can all think about that possibly could lead to the change that we need, right?
1: I believe that any person can be, and probably is, a leader. Any person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't require a fancy title to be a leader. You know, mothers are leaders, teachers are leaders, staff accountants are leaders, mm-hmm. nurses, bank tellers, housekeepers, regardless of the role of the individual, I think that if if we will own just own responsibility first to lead by example and to do the work we are to do um, as best as we possibly can to give it our very best, once you lead by example, then all of a sudden you realize that you have the opportunity to lead by influence mm-hmm. That and that others will want to follow you. And whether or not you're looking for a formal promotion in life, you may have a greater likelihood of getting one if, in fact, you've been a leader within your original roles. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about um, my career and i have to tell you the hardest job that i've ever been given has not been in a healthcare system or a bank or even in consulting the most difficult and challenging job and the most gratifying has been that of mother mm-hmm. and and to i have the joy of um, i feel like i've been been promoted because i have two daughters who now are both wonderful mothers and each of them is successful in. Uh, her own respective rights, and, and they certainly are gracious leaders. So I think that um, anybody can lead. We just have to understand that we have to own responsibility for giving it our best every day.
0: Well said, Janet. That's that's just a great way to end um, our time together. I, I really love it when you said, maybe I'm putting your words in, in the way I hear them, but when you lead by example— you lead by it. You, you become an influencer.
1: Exactly.
0: Those two things together. That's a great, um, thank you for sharing that with me and I've read your book and I've talked to you and that, that's like my, my aha moment for this moment. Um, but I do want to thank you because you're busy and you're willing to come on my podcast and share, you know, your perspective, uh, truly grateful. My audience will be better because of it, but I would like them to be able to know where can they buy the book? Where can they find that? Are you on Amazon? Are you, you know, what's the best way to do it?
1: Okay, there's several places where they can find the book. Um, I encourage uh, your listeners to visit my website, GraciousLeadershipBook.com. Okay. And they can buy the book there. Uh, they also can sign up at the bottom of any of the pages. They can sign up for the free Gracious Leadership newsletter that about once a month I send out um, a blog with whatever is on my mind. And I do my best to make those inspirational or just to continue to talk about different aspects of, of leadership. So GraciousLeadershipBook.com. Um, the book is available on Amazon. And, and it's in hardback, Kindle, and in audiobook. And then on social media, you can find me on Facebook, um, on LinkedIn, and, and on Twitter. Uh, the Twitter handle is a, at A Gracious Leader.
0: Okay. Well, um, we also will have attached to this, of course, your bio and those links so that our listeners can can definitely tap into becoming a gracious leader uh, for sure. But one last thing I always love to ask this. What's your you know, what podcast or book would you recommend? And then we will sign off.
1: Um, You know, I really am enjoying Brene Brown and her series about unlocking us and her particular podcast with an interview of of dolly parton and it was about song telling and really this particular podcast was about love empathy and the power of truth and i would encourage your listeners to check it out because dolly parton truly is an incredible person and an amazing businesswoman. that i think i personally was inspired by that and i think your listeners would be too
0: Well, I will check that out. I I love her. She's really good, Renee Brown, um, for sure. Well, uh, thank you again, Janet. I'm Betty Collins, and so glad you joined me today. Inspiring women, it's what I do. I leave you with this. Being strong speaks of strength, but being courageous speaks to having a will to do more and overcome. As your career advancements continue... Your financial opportunities will grow. You need to be prepared. And you can do that by going to our website, bradyware.com, to find out more about us and the accounting services that we provide. All this and more about the podcast can be found in the episode show notes.